Welcome to Between Two Chairs, Demystifying Commercial Real Estate, the podcast that brings you the latest insights and trends on the South Florida commercial real estate market with your hosts, Fernando Arencivia Jr. and Jennifer Woolman. In each episode, we dive into the world of commercial real estate and break down complex concepts to make them accessible for everyone. Whether you're a real estate professional, a curious investor, or just interested in the South Florida market in general, Between Two Chairs is the podcast for you. So pull up a chair and join us. Fernando Arencivia Jr. and I'm here with my co-host Jennifer Woolman. We are ready to start another episode of Between Two Chairs and today we're going to be discussing Great American Realtor Days which we just finished experiencing last week. We're going to be discussing some of the uh, talking points that we took to both the House and the Senate and, uh, and the governor in Tallahassee and we're going to be discussing some of the early legislative wins. Jennifer, you want to tell people a little bit about what is Great American Realtor Days? Sure. We touched on it a little bit in our last podcast, so we'll mm-hmm. just keep it really brief. But it's basically sure. when the Florida realtors um, go up as a group to the Florida legislature and we come up with a list of our priorities, usually brought on by issues that we're seeing in the marketplace and we tried to get was changed or passed. I love the Florida Realtors tagline for our legislative priorities this year. The tagline was real estate is where Florida lives, works and thrives. And that is so true. And a strong real estate market is what drives the Florida economy. So do you want to just give a brief overview of our four main legislative priorities. We had several, but we had four main ones. Sure. Well, first, I, I wanted to say that we had over, you know, 1,200 realtors registered and attend Great American Realtor Day. So two days meeting with public officials and representatives from both the House of Representatives of the state of Florida and the Senate. Um, there was a lot of great energy. I thought it was really a great event. And, you know, there always is a lot of great energy because you have some very focused very passionate uh, realtors that uh, always show up. And you may not know this about realtors, but we always make it a party. So yes, uh, this is yeah. true. And we did finish with the big old block party. So that was, yeah. that was definitely fun. But I think, absolutely. I think just also the, the legislature was pumped up. Yeah. Like they were super pumped this year. And I think I it was because they were able they were able to pass some major legislation. Yeah. So I think you're absolutely right. I think I think that they definitely were discussing items that had meat on the bones, you know, something they could really sink their teeth into, something that I think they could bring back to their constituency. And when we go to Florida Realtors uh, Guard, we always bring some talking points. So I just wanted to go over some of the talking points this year. Our first topping point, and therefore our first priority was affordable housing. We were there in support of a bill, um, Senate Bill 102, which is also known as the uh, Live Local Act. We're going to uh, discuss it a little further because it is one of our legislative wins. We were there also to discuss a rent control and tenant uh, uh, landlord tenant law. You know, there, there's been some instances of municipalities throughout the state that have come up with or have tried to come up with some rent control measures. We were very concerned about that because we've seen rent control being applied in other parts of the country. 
and have a devastating effect on the economy, devastating effect on housing. We were there also to discuss rising property insurance costs. Uh, that merits its own sort of podcast because it is a very complex uh, scenario and it is something that is being felt by both residential and commercial owners of real estate property throughout the state. A lot has been done to address this and you know we, we can go over that as well. The other aspect is condominium reforms. You know we were there to support some tweaks and to the condo bill that was passed last year which was a result of what happened with, you know, the Surfside collapse. And so, you know, those those are things that are going to continue to take shape as to how condominiums are going to evaluate the quality of the structural quality of their buildings. Uh, and it's not only condominiums, it's also commercial, all commercial properties, multifamily properties, um, and really any kind of uh, commercial structure throughout the state. We were there in support of eliminating the business rent tax. Uh, as you know, Florida is the only one that has a tax on commercial leases. Uh, we've gone um, a long way to get it reduced. We expect that by August of next year, it will be reduced to 2% from its current number of 5.5%. And That'll be 3% in Miami-Dade County and in some other jurisdictions just because of the local tax on top, but statewide, yes, 2%. Correct. Exactly. And that's a very important distinction. And you know that means that we have some work to do at the local level right. to eliminate it completely. We wanted to discuss eliminating unnecessary lawsuits against appraisers, you know, by just creating a five-year deadline for lawsuits against, you know, any errors on appraisals. Uh, right now that that was kind of open-ended, you know, we were also looking at any ordinances that were negatively impacting regulations on local businesses. In commercial real estate, you deal with a lot of small businesses. So we're always looking for ways in which the small businesses can have a leg up because they are really the, the lifeblood of our economy. And not only in the state of Florida, but throughout the country, right. really. Right. You know? Agreed. Did you yeah. talk about the water quality and environmental funding? Did you touch well, on I did that? not. So okay. would, you, would you be so kind as to speak about that? Sure. So that's another one. Everyone thinks that all we do is talk about real estate, but especially here in Florida, um, the environment and the quality of the environment is directly tied to our real estate values and to our quality of life. So we were also... Um, up there to lobby for funding to preserve the Everglades and our natural springs throughout Florida to re-nourish our beaches and to support funding and legislation related to sea level rise for those communities that are along the coast, such as Miami. Um, and there's also a lot of support for that in, in the state legislature. So that was very positive. And I, I think it's interesting because the first few words of the preamble for the National Association of Realtors bylaws is under all is the land. So the first thing we sell is the location. You know, that's right. why that is such a, you know, such a repeated statement about real estate, which is location, location, location. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means the quality of our water, the quality of our waterways, you know, uh, everything that affects the life of these communities affects real estate. And so, right. you know, in a, in a lot of ways, real estate touches upon it all. Well, and, and in Florida, you could actually say, and under the land is the water because <laughs> we, have a, we have a very low water table, especially in the South. So I think, and, and our legislators get that and they understand the For issue sure. of septic tanks and we're looking at septic to sewer conversions and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, and by yeah. the way, those are, those are difficult topics to discuss because they require, you know, just like affordable housing, there's not a one size fits all approach and it requires a multitude of very measured and very uh, purposeful changes. 
And uh, it's good that we get to have these conversations. You know, it's 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 the ability that we have to have these uncomfortable sometimes conversations, but very necessary conversations, whether it comes to insurance or subject to sewer conversions or anything that has to do with affordable housing that uh, makes it effective, you know, and uh, and I think that that's what makes it wonderful about GARD. Let's talk a little bit about legislative wins because, you know, while we were there, the first day that we were there, Governor of Florida was in Naples, actually, with the president of the Senate, President Pasadomo, and yeah, Senator Calatayud, who uh, who actually represents me, you know, and I'm me. In her district, uh, and you're too. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She knocked on my door when she was yeah. running and, uh so I know that uh, they did a lot of the of the legwork to make sure that uh, that this bill passed, and so they were in Naples to officially sign the Live Local Act, uh, Senate yeah. Bill One Hundred Two. So our two top priorities were, as you know, we were we were there to, in a lot of ways, support to to support it and to make sure that it was a priority. But by the time we got there, it had already passed, and it's a testament really to the advocacy at uh, department at Florida Realtors and a great group of people that are involved there. And also the work that gets done before we even arrive at right. Great American Realtor Days. Well, and our legislative staff at Florida Realtors is so good at getting the stories that we bring to them from a local community level, from the small business owners that we're hearing or the larger companies locating here saying that they can't find housing for their employees or for even the local governments that are saying, look, I have tenants complaining that rents are too high. So we're thinking of doing rent control. And then when we speak to the local governments there and, and we explain to them that it'll actually backfire in the long run because there'll be less construction, um, et cetera. So having those stories taken to our government officials at all levels is so, so important. And I think that's why they were so excited, because the fact that is now a law is going to do a lot to solve um, some of the affordable housing issues like insurance. It's not going to be solved overnight, but it's going to make a really good start at it. And I think it's going to give everybody some breathing room and some hope that finally there's some relief on the horizon this is the largest housing bill the most impactful bill that's been passed in what over a decade almost two decades right since 1990 something um so i think that this is huge and for anybody involved in affordable housing development or investments i think there's some nice carrots in there so do you want to well i wanted to i wanted to say that it's easy to say, to state that this was a very impactful uh, and very important bill when it comes to affordable housing, but everything is understood based on context, right? So I I know that you have been involved in affordable housing committees at the state of Florida and at the national level for many, many years. And it has always been said that there is no one uh, magic pill solution to affordable housing. So before we get into, you know, some of what this bill does, uh, which is, well, this law does now, can you tell me a, a little bit about that? So why why is there no, you know, why is it so difficult to, to, to really promote affordable housing? Why is it that people say it requires many, many, uh, you know, prescriptions to be able to really address the underlying issues? So... It's really at the end of the day, I love what Christina Pappas says, because we used to, we've had so many conversations on affordable housing while, while she was in Florida leadership. And I was on committees, as you said, 
And at the end of the day, we both agreed that it's just housing. We need housing at every single level. And when you use the words affordable housing or workforce housing, people get images of like old 1960s tenement style housing. And the reality is, is that's not what anybody wants. There's a reason that the government doesn't really get directly involved in that anymore. And they have all sorts of tax credits like the low income housing tax credit or the Section 8 development credit to help the private market build these apartments um, and build living. But at the end of the day, affordable housing is really just all about housing. And you and I have discussed over and over again how prices of rents or prices of housing in general go up and down, whether you rent or buy, depending on supply and demand. So, um, you know, Miami has been in very, very hot supply, hot, hot demand, I mean, lately. And the reality is, is that after the last recession, housing wasn't built for like almost 10 years. There was hardly any housing built anywhere in the States. There was very, very little the amount of housing needed um, for everybody who wants it, whether it's rentals or purchase, are, is grossly undersupplied. Yeah. So there's an estimate that the country needs about 4.3 million more housing apartments by 2035. Mm. And so just to give you an example, out of that, 1.5 million of those units are needed in Florida, California, and Texas alone. And those are some of the hottest states in terms of demand. So lower priced units in an area of very high demand all of a sudden become very unaffordable for the lower income people because yeah. everybody at all level is looking and competing for very limited inventory. Um, so that's one reason why it's difficult. Another yeah. reason why it's difficult is just the cost of building it. As you know, the Miami Realtors did that um, container home study where we tried to build affordable housing on an unconforming lot in South Miami just to show all of the hoops that anyone has to jump through to build, quote, affordable housing. And at the end of the day, even with all of the donations and the fact that a lot of time was given and we did things at cost and we underwrote it at the end of the day, it was affordable for that area, but by no stretch of the imagination would that, you know, unit be considered affordable. And we're now writing a paper, we're having a paper done on all of that. And a lot of that cost had to right. do with local and county government um, regulations. So yeah. I think that's, you know, in a huge overview, those yeah. are just some of the bigger issues. Right. And this bill addresses a lot of those issues, such as the zoning and financing and tax credits and everything else, yeah. which is why it's. Mm. And if you if you got dizzy just listening to the array of issues, that's usually what happens when we discuss affordable housing. Right. Because the reason why there's not a one size fits all solution is because it's not a one size fits all problem. Right. And, you know, when you're referring to the development of the, uh, you know, the container home, which we did to kind of prove a concept to see what are the barriers to entry to build affordable on a small scale infill development. The land was donated. Right. It was an irregular piece of lot of land, less than thirty eight hundred square feet. Right. And we got a grant to be able to build it. And at the end, what you discover is that 
a private enterprise, right? Uh, a for-profit development cannot make it work. And part of the issue is because the planning and zoning departments in our municipalities are so used to the way that they have done the building that they're not looking at barriers to entry that they have created within their code that doesn't allow for affordability in the development of that property, right? And then we talk about other issues, which is that it's hard to have affordable housing when the cost of insurance goes up 40 to 60%, when the Correct. cost of goods for development goes up. So there, there are a lot of factors that are involved. Now, why is this a statewide workforce or attainable housing strategy that is created through the Live Local Act so monumental? Well, part of it is because, and by the way, the idea is to provide housing options for Florida's workers, you know, who hope to live in the communities that they serve. They, they call it Live Local Act, but for me, it's like keeping your neighbors and your friends close, right? Because these are your neighbors. These are the people that that you hang out with in a barbecue on the, over the weekend who find it, it, it difficult, you know, to find affordable options for housing. And so it's important that we always attack this because it is important for the the fabric of the culture that we have and, and for the communities that we want to have. And it's also quality of life. If it's you have to spend 90 minutes each way commuting to and from work in order to be living in an affordable area, well, yeah. that's not really a sustainable nor a quality lifestyle, no. right? So. Correct. So let's run through some of the numbers. You have $811 million that have been earmarked for projects. That is double or a little bit more than double than what the legislature committed to last year. You have additional monies for the Hometown Heroes Program. Hometown Heroes Program was an initiative that we pushed through last year, which basically gave um, a 0% loan to our hometown heroes, first responders, all of the people who worked at the hospital, firefighters, police. And the idea was that they would be able to take this 0% loan and to be able to use it towards down payments and closing costs. Um, that money has been, an, uh, another $100 million has been added to the Hometown Heroes program. And now it's going to become an income-based uh, program. So now anybody could qualify and it's going to be based on income. And they have increased the maximum loan amount from $25,000 to $35,000 that you could get as a 0% loan. And what's great about this is, by the way, in the future, when you sell a house, that money goes back into um, the program so that they can be reutilized for a new family that wants to, uh, that needs that down payment assistance, right? Um, very excited about that. Now, there is something interesting here, which is about what we call the missing middle. Can you explain what is the missing middle and what this, this program does for that group of people that are looking for attainable workforce or workforce housing? So what, what this does is the missing middle provides a uh, property tax exemption for any new or recently rehabbed developments that set aside at least 70 current market rate units into affordable units. And that missing middle is usually somebody who's making a good living. So it's not the extremely low or low income it's the average worker in an area, and they often are called the missing middle because, you know, yeah. it's easy to get a loan or money if you're wealthy. The government steps in and helps out the extremely low income and the low income. So the basically the, the middle class worker right. 
um, usually doesn't have a program. So this actually allows a building owner or a building developer to get a property tax, exe tax exemption um, if at least 70 of the units in there are affordable. And they, this is just one of the tax credits that they have yeah. in this in this law. And that's what I like, right? Because it's that's why this is such a comprehensive bill because there are aspects of the bill that have to do with extremely low income, with low income, with this missing middle, and then it has to do with providing these property tax exemptions and all this incentive, because at the end of the day, the issue is you don't have enough housing units to take care of the number of people that need those housing units. To your point, it's been, we, we spent 13 years building below the 50 year average. Right. So, you know, it's, it's gonna be very difficult for us to catch up Right. But we we have to incentivize the development in order to do that. Well, and this law addresses both rentals, right? And right. as well as home buyers. So if you want to buy, it has the down payment assistance. And right. if you want to continue renting, then it has affordable rental units. And can it I, also can I also throw mm -hmm. something here because I think this is an important component for those mm -hmm. of you who are listening, who are in the business, or if you are a developer yourself. Part of the thing that I really enjoy about being involved in advocacy and going to guard and all that stuff is you get to learn things that are happening that can have a very positive effect in um, in 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 a real estate venture, right? And so now, if I'm sitting in front of a developer that is looking at land and they're looking to develop 384 units, now this is something that we that I can bring to the table as a positive that perhaps they they're not considering it because they're not following you know, a day-to-day -day what's happening in a legislative session, right? Mm -hmm. So now I will sit down and say, okay, let's run the numbers. What if you earmark 70 units of that so that way it is attainable housing, right? And you're going to you're gonna have it at below market rate, but you're going to get this, also, this tax incentive. You're going to get this property tax exception. And if you run the numbers now, you know, and commercial real estate is all about the numbers. If you run the numbers now, that you, now you get to see if there is value in that. And I, and I do believe that they have created this, in a way that it, that the developers will see value. But now we're looking at people that are developing a, mar a for market right. development and now they're going to see well there is an opportunity here and I don't I don't have to make it's not an all or nothing proposition. I don't have to make the entire project affordable. I can add 70 units to the affordable, you know, pool and it can be for sale, it could be for lease, but but you're going to have those in, those ways to incentivize it. Well, and it also it, it also includes the private sector because it allows the private sector to do a corporate tax donation program where the business can contribute to sale, which mm -hmm. is the um, state apartment incentive loan program. So right. you can contribute to that. And then instead of paying your corporate and insurance premium taxes. So right. this bill really tried to involve everybody, everybody. government, nonprofit, for-profit, low-income right. development, you know, market developers, and tenants, and buyers. So like, wow, right. that's why it was considered such a massive bill. And I think that's why everybody was so happy. Yeah. And it passed huge. I think it was like 109 yeah. to six in the yeah. Senate. Like it was, yeah. it, it wasn't like it was a partisan bill or it passed down party True. lines or anything. It was Absolutely. almost 
I can't say unanimous because there were six people who held out, right. but but yeah. for the most part, it was a very, very popular yeah. bill because everybody yeah. in the state, it doesn't, it's not just affecting yeah. us here in South Florida. It's affecting Jacksonville, Orlando, Tampa, the Panhandle, yeah. like every it, it, Central Florida, it's affecting everywhere, the affordability. And we don't see that stopping because yeah. Florida is still growing and expected to grow yeah. with or without a recession. Um, everybody's saying that Florida is going to be one of the few places where there's still yeah. house appreciation. So, yeah, no, without a doubt. And, and I will, I will say this because again, this is where I think you as a professional have an opportunity to add value. Correct. And if you look at your source of, of your leads and the source of the business that you do, a lot of, you know, real estate is primarily a relationship business, right? And a lot of the relationships you have is with other people that, that provide a service to the clients that you serve as well. And one of them is when I'm when I'm listening to you saying all the things, what I'm thinking is there's going to be a huge period of education here, right? Because the right. bill is so expensive that now you have an opportunity to speak to CPAs that may be referring your business that, you know, maybe working with the clients that you're going to serve and give them uh, give them this information so that they can better serve the clients. Because if you're a corporation and you have an opportunity to, instead of just paying your taxes as, as you're going to pay them, but to then diverge, diverge instead of paying those taxes to one to one pool, it goes to sale, which is going to improve the amount of money that goes into affordable housing, and you get a tax incentive for that. Now we're you know now 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 you're adding a lot more value to that company than Correct. just you know transacting in real estate. Correct. Right? Correct. And, and it, to your point, it's going to be an education of not just our clients, but it's also, no. and, and buyers and investors, it's also going right. to be an education of our current tenants who are complaining about right. pricing or um, our local governments. Because a lot of times the local governments like this, this also addresses a lot of zoning issues, right? Yes. And density and height issues that right. local governments can no longer yeah. regulate if certain conditions on the building of affordable units are met. So, yeah. and again, that's a big chunk of the law, but it's going to take some time for everybody to figure out well, the parts. And let's address that part because I don't, I don't want to get into a soapbox, but you know, for me, that's, that's the end goal, right? I believe that the, the future of affordability in the state of Florida starts and ends with the local planning and zoning departments. Correct. Right. And that, that's really where we're going to get some strong headwind. And this bill also addresses some of that local government regulation. It gives them a little bit more freedom to address, especially for affordable housing. I also like the fact that they have addressed rent control because, and let's, let's, let's say that a little bit because, you know, we were very concerned. We've seen some of these uh, rent control measures apply in states like California, for example, and we've seen detrimental effects on development and on housing uh, all throughout. And, you know, we were very concerned about that. And this basically, for lack of a better term, outlaws rent control in throughout the state of Florida. For any reason, uh, for any it was reason. already outlawed, but you could get around it by right. saying in an emergency, then you could put it in. And that was part right. of the problem that right. we were having. Yeah. And I, and I think at the end of the day, the ability or the pressure is on our ability to now develop develop plans that are outside of the purview of that rent control, because we know long-term it doesn't work. Correct. Um, and I also want to say one thing, because you, I, I have clients that have called me and go like, does the city or the county have any land for sale? You know, can we develop? Do they have? And, and now that's another component here, which is partnering with the public sector. 
So it's this idea that they have found ways to encourage local municipalities to basically put up their land for affordable housing development, but more importantly, that they have to advertise it. Yeah, so that the public's aware, yeah. right? And the, and the private sector is aware that those lands are there, which I hope generates that level of interest where now an RFP, you know, a request for a proposal comes out and they have competition for that land and we have some new development on public owned land. And people are going to uh, get creative because a lot right. of the land that they have is similar to what we did with the container home, which is a non-conforming right. use, um, which basically just sits as an ugly, blighted, empty yeah. lot that needs to be mowed every now and then right. because it's not really big enough for a park or anything else. Yeah. So, And I like that, to your point about creativity, that when you, when you look at the bill, of course, because we're nerds yeah. about this stuff, but... It's not only for the sale of that land, but it's also you could put a 99-year lease, right. develop in there, and still get those tax credits, which it, which will make the numbers work. Because at the end right. of the day, the numbers have to work. The numbers have to work. Right, in order to have... Con so, look, this has been wonderful. You have always led the way on this because mm -hmm. you. I know that you love going to garden, and so do I. There's a lot more going on, and we're going to have a future podcast where we're going to talk about at uh, the end of session session is 60 days it'll end uh you know we have another about you know a little bit less than 30 days left and then we'll do kind of like a recap a recap of yeah. everything else that of everything else. real estate and i just want to make a plug because i know this is a commercial real estate podcast and everybody always asks me why i'm so I guess obsessed is a correct word <laughs> with affordable housing if I'm in commercial real estate and and my argument because I've seen it from businesses that have relocated here when they say my employees can't afford to live here based on what I pay, right? And I remember I brought somebody down and they had an image. They were coming from New York and they thought based on what they had read in some relocation book, they they were like, oh, we're going to be able to live for this amount. And they were talking about their not even their their entry level positions. They were talking about their CEOs and when they talked to me about pricing, I'm like, I don't know what book you're reading from, but your CEOs are not going to live uh, anywhere where those prices that you're quoting are available. So no luckily, we were able to show them what was available and they were able to adjust their numbers and come down with some incentives. But um, yeah, that's why I'm so into affordable housing. If yeah. you don't have how, and again, affordable at every level, right? No it doubt. has to be a, at the extremely right. low level, the low level, the mid level and the high level. You just need enough housing Correct. because a business doesn't just run with CEOs, right? So well, no. that is why I'm, uh, you know, and restaurants don't hire CEOs to, and you I'll, know, wait tables and everything else. Or, I want to add a little, just a quick story about that. I was selling a multifamily apartment building in North Beach. So for those of you who know Miami, basically you got South Beach and then there's Mid Beach and there's North Beach. One of the buyer, prospective buyers was an owner of a hotel in South Beach and he was having problem retaining employees. And this is pre-pandemic, but he was having a, a hard time. So he was buying this apartment building, 18 units for his employees, basically to give his employees affordable rent Right. And the ability to basically rent the space from him because he was having trouble keeping. And by the way, these were employees that have been with him for eight years or more. And he was like, I don't want to lose them. Right. You know, and and he figured, you know what? I can maintain this property at an affordable pace for my employees. 
and give them uh, as a fringe benefit the ability to rent it. Right. Or it's and, like the Keys, the, the Florida Keys hotels have to provide housing up in Florida City and Homestead and then right. bus the employees down. So to me, housing is directly related to the health of our commercial real estate sector and right. our entire business economy. So no that's why I'm obsessed with affordable housing. So <laughs> um, you got your stat of the of the day or your start of the podcast? I do. You do? I do. I do. Oh, I didn't have to remind you. <laughs> you didn't have to. Um, <laughs> you want to go first? Sure. All right. Commercial real estate contributed $40 billion to Florida's economy in 2022. Wow. B, 40B with wow. a B billion. I wonder what percentage of that is GDP. It's got to be a significant number, but oh my um, god, he would throw. I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I do another one. Do you want me to do it? No, no, you can save it for another day. Okay. Well, because it's relatable. But go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. That that and the overall taxable value of real estate of Florida real property. So that's everything. Mm -hmm. You know, land, commercial, and residential was two point four three three trillion with a T. Unbelievable. So that's why I love that quote that Florida realtors started with. Real estate is where Florida lives, works, and thrives. For without a doubt. Wow, those are those are significant numbers. What I have for you today is more of a market number, and I thought it was really interesting. Um, Goldman Sachs Global Investment Search did a study of real estate in the first quarter of the year. And they found out that Miami is only one of two markets that has gained home value appreciation over the last and property appreciation overall over the last quarter. We are significantly higher than uh, it, Baltimore, Maryland, actually, is the other market hmm. that has. I know that's that's interesting. That's interesting. Every other market um, has been down you know, significantly, and it speaks to some something that we've been discussing in the market a lot, which is. How insulated is the Miami market based on the high demand that we have um, and so many companies that are moving here to uh, to South Florida. But I thought that it was really interesting that, you know, we're just one of the two markets. By the way, I think Baltimore was a little less than one percent. We're we're at about a three percent. I was going to try to throw you kind of <laughs> curveball like you did me with the GDP. I saw it in, you saw it coming and you very, I saw it in her face, folks. Good. I saw it in her face. Well, thank you for joining us in here in between two chairs. And we are hoping to see you soon. Pull up a chair, join us next time. And uh, thank you for listening. <music>